for some of you younger than me, you may have never seen that. Oops, I made a mistake. I've seen that to my. I've been seeing that to my daughters since they were born. It's okay to make a mistake. We all make mistakes. There's actually three verses to that song. So over the course of the summer, you're going to hear all three verses of "Oops, I made a mistake." That's our series that we're going through as we're looking at the book of Judges. It's okay to make a mistake. And um, the thing is, what's what's a mistake? You know, there's a sin or a misdeed. Those things need forgiveness. A mistake needs to be corrected. A misdeed is intentional. A mistake is not intentional hurt or rebellion. Everybody makes mistakes. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But that doesn't mean Jesus can't save us. We all sin and Jesus can save us. We also all make mistakes. But that doesn't prevent God from using me to accomplish something great just because I make mistakes. And what we're going to see today as we look at our first judge is that God uses people who have missed opportunities. It's a mistake to miss an opportunity, but God uses people who missed opportunities. Even though we're going to be in Judges, we're going to start in the book of Joshua to look at our first character because that's where he's first introduced. Joshua chapter 15, verses 13 through 19. And this is the, uh, Joshua is giving people their apportionment of the promised land. Joshua 15, starting 13. He gave Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the following portion among the descendants of Judah, based on the Lord's instruction to Joshua. Kareth Araba, that is Hebron. Arba was the father of Anak. Caleb drove, drove out from there the three sons of Anak, Shishai, Ahimon, and Temai, the descendants of Anak. From there he marched against the inhabitants of Deber, which used to be called Kareth Sefer. And Caleb says, said, Whoever attacks and captures Kareth Sefer, I will give my daughter Akatsash to him as a wife. So Onithel, son of Caleb's brother, Kenez, captured it. And Caleb gave his daughter, sorry, a lot of names today, Akatsash, to him as a wife. When she arrived, she persuaded Othiniel to ask her father for a field. As he got off her donkey, as she got off her donkey, Caleb asked her, "What can I do for you?" She replied, "Give me a blessing. Since you have given me land in the Negev, give me the springs also." So he gave her the upper and lower springs. So Othiniel is our first judge, and this is before he's a judge of Israel. And we see this is a man who seizes the opportunity. Caleb got to choose which land he would get as inheritance. He and Joshua are the only people from that generation with Moses that actually got to go into the promised land because they had faith. And even though there was apportionment by tribe, Caleb actually got to pick which land he wanted. And he picked the land uh, that it was good land, but it was also the toughest land. The, uh, the people of Anak, they, they were the biggest people. So the biggest people had the best land. And so Caleb said he wanted that land. And so he goes in and he's taking it. But there's this one city that apparently is pretty tough. And so he offers this. 
He says, I'll give my daughter in marriage to whichever man takes that city. And so Caleb's nephew, Othiniel, he seizes the opportunity. He says, hmm, I've got a chance to get some glory. I have a chance to get a very prominent wife. So he goes in and he takes the city. And he's not done with his seizing the opportunity there. He goes for another opportunity. He says, you know what, your dad's in a good mood. We took this city and we're married. And he gave you a field as a dowry. Go ask him for something else. And so she goes to her dad, Caleb, and says, can I have some more? And he says, sure. They have land. And so he also gives them upper and lower springs, water to to give water to their land. This guy is smart. He got he took the city, he got a, a wife, he got land, he got springs for his land. He took advantage of the opportunity. Othiniel is a leader. He's a warrior. He's a good husband. He sees opportunities and he grabs them for all they're worth. He wasn't just satisfied to get a wife. Let's get a wife and let's get some land and let's get some water. Yeah, there are times when we just have to seize the opportunity. Uh, when shortly after Jennifer and I were married, we had we had been alternating who goes to school. Um, I went to I went and got some training for a year to become a technical writer and got a certificate. And then she went back to school to get her teaching certificate. And we both wanted to get our master's degrees. And so we said, well, whoever finds a program first that we can actually afford then, and that we want to do, well, then that person will get their master's degree first. And so every so often, I don't know how long Jennifer or how often Jennifer looked, but every so often I just look online and see what programs there were. And one day I happened to be cruising around and I saw that the Wesleyan Church was opening up their very first seminary. Didn't even have a name yet. And so I got on the phone, and I, I looked on the program, and I said, this is a program that I'd really like to do. And I'd really like to be in the first class of our seminary. So I got on the phone, I called up Nathan, and I said, is there still room in the first cohort? And he said, hang on one second. Put me on hold. He came back about 30 seconds later. He said, turn in your stuff today. So I started getting my stuff together and got it off to Nathan. And Jennifer came home. I said, hey, I found this program. It's, it's the Wesleyan Seminary. It's called actually Wesley Seminary now. And so it's a three-year program. And I said, this is what I want to do. Said, okay. So I started school. I'm in my first semester in the fall. And Jennifer comes home and, said, and says, my school is offering us to t- get a master's in U.S. history and they'll pay for it. If we finish the program, they'll, they'll reimburse us for everything. I was like, well, you're getting a free master's. I said, you know what? We, I know we say we're going to alternate, but in her program, my program was three years. If I did all my electives concurrently, her program was two and a half. I said, we'll finish at the same time. I said, it's going to be kind of hard, but let's do it. And so we both did school because the opportunities arose and somehow during all that we got pregnant and had a daughter and we finished school and did well and you know we got done but it was the opportunities came up and we just took it
But here's the thing. I have to actually be looking for opportunities in any circumstance. And not just opportunities for my own personal advancement. Opportunities for God's kingdom. You know, there were, I talked to several people this week about this congregation. You know, some people had mentioned at Chamber of Commerce they really liked our sign. Somebody said, that's good for our city. I said, I hope our church is good for our city. Not just our sign. Looking for these opportunities. Galatians 6.10 says this, So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who are of the household of faith. We need to look for opportunities to do good. I, I feel naked up here without baby wipes stacked up to here because we spent the last month doing good. It's like, what's our next thing? What was our scripture that we just heard read earlier? A Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion. Three people passed up an opportunity. The Samaritan seized it. It wasn't anything that he would get out of it, but it was an opportunity to do good. He was looking for something good to do. Colossians 4.5 says, Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. The Apostle Paul even talked about his opportunities. He said in 1 Corinthians 6.19, Because there's a wonderful opportunity for me to do some work here, but there are also many people who are against me. Sometimes opportunities are challenging. Othaniel's opportunity was challenging. He had to go take a city from giants, but he took it. We also need to be praying for opportunities. Colossians 4, seven. Paul asked the Colossians, he says, pray at the same time for us as well that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have also been imprisoned. Last week I started passing out those books, Path, Path of Gold, to, to pray for, for uh, someone to come to faith in Christ. I have more. They're on the table in the lobby. Make the most of the opportunity to be praying for someone to come to faith. And that little book's just a help and a way to keep track of what you're seeing in that person's life. Paul was always looking for these opportunities. One more, 2 Corinthians 2.12. He says, when I came to Troas for the gospel of Christ and when a door was opened for me in the Lord. The main opportunity that Paul was looking for and we need to be looking for is opportunities to share Jesus. We give away baby wipes and sippy cups so it opens up the door to Jesus. So we need to, we want to be used by God at the next opportunity. Whatever the opportunity that may be. So let's move ahead to Judges. Judges chapter 3, starting in verse 1, and let's see what happens to our judge here. It says, These are the nations with the, which the Lord left in order to test all those in Israel who had experienced none of the wars in Canaan. This was to teach the future generations of the Israelites how to fight in battle, especially those who had not fought before. These nations included the five rulers of the Philistines and all the Canaanites 
and Sidonians and the Hivites who lived in the Lebanese mountains from Mount Baal Hermon as far as the entrance to Himeth. The Lord left them to test Israel to determine if they would keep the Lord's commands he had given them, he had given their fathers through Moses. But they settled among the Canaanites, Hivites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. The Israelites took their daughters as wives for themselves, gave their own daughters to their sons, and worshipped their gods. The Israelites did what was evil in the Lord's sight. They forgot the Lord their God and worshipped Baals and the Asherahs. The Lord's anger burned against Israel, and he sold them to King Cushim Rishhatharam and Aram Natharam, and the Israelites served him eight years. The Israelites cried out to the Lord. So the Lord raised up Othiniel, son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother, as a deliverer to save the Israelites. This is actually missing an opportunity. So what happens? Why is this all set up? Not all the people of the, that were living in the promised land were driven out. Philistines and Ammonites and Perizzites, all these other peoples, there was a lot of other people that were still living in there. And God put them there. He said he left them there for two reasons. Well, one, it doesn't even talk about the people didn't drive them all out like they were supposed to. And God said them not driving them all out was a test. One, so they could learn how to fight. And two, to see would they keep worshiping God. But what began to happen? Well, in general, not every single person, but in general, God's chosen people, the Israelites, began just mixing with the people of the land. Now, this is not a problem about marrying across ethnicities. This is a problem about religious boundaries. Because it's basically saying they started to just act like the people of the land. They started worshiping the gods of the land. Baals and Asherahs and stuff like that. And so they're not, they start to, as they intermix with these other groups, they start to worship these other groups' gods. And eventually God's people are taken captive by the king of Aram as a punishment for God, for forsaking him. And they serve this king for eight years. And then Othaniel rises up as a deliverer. And we think, hooray, there he is. There's our hero. They were eight years in subjugation. And we don't know how many years it took for the people to be falling away from the Lord before they went into subjugation. Now I have a question. Where was Othaniel all this time? Where was he? He didn't marry a foreign wife. He wasn't worshiping other gods. He drove out all the idol worshippers from his land. But he was busy, maybe. He was busy with his new wife. That's a good thing. He was busy cultivating his land. He was, driving, drive, he was busy driving out the, the, the people of Anak. But here's the thing. For years, he could have been an example. For years, he could have been a leader that kept the people from turning away from God. But I wonder if instead he just became content with his own life. I'm worshiping God. I'm blessed by God. I have a lovely wife. I have land. I'm good. 
instead of investing in others. He took all these opportunities for himself. And he, he waits for God to tell him to act when he could have been working to prevent the fall of his people in the first place. He's been an absent leader. He's been an absent preserving force. He's been absent as a voice for God and for good. He missed an opportunity. On a quote from Andre Ackman, he said, So I waited. Then I got used to waiting. Eventually, waiting was more real than what we had. Don't wait for God to do something. We just keep waiting. It's not always good to wait. For those of my age and younger, if you're still in the workforce, I saw some some mistakes to avoid if you hear or believe your company is going to be having layoffs. Mistake number one, don't assume that you're not on the list. Well, you know, my job is protected. I'm a good employee. Don't assume your name is not on the list. Also, mistake number two, don't assume that you're definitely on the list. We need to just just keep working well. Because maybe you're on the list and they'll take you off. Or maybe you're not on the list and if you start slacking off, they'll put you on. Mistake number three, don't trash talk your employer. You need to keep a positive attitude. Mistake number four, don't wait for HR to take the lead. Do your own research. Find out what the company might be offering, just in case. Mistake number five, don't blanket your network with pleas for help. It's actually more important to target certain people that you have relationships with. Mistake number six, getting caught without an updated resume. Always keep your resume up to date. And number seven, don't leave your personal items to your employer. Get all your contacts and stuff together. Here's the thing. The thing is, with all these things are seeming, don't just wait around for it to happen. Be proactive about doing your job and preparing for your next job. Don't miss an opportunity. You know, two of the fruit of the Spirit are patience and self-control. The ability to wait and be content is part of godliness. But the fruit of the Spirit also includes love and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness. That's all stuff that requires us to do something Now, I definitely need to act when things get awful. But I don't believe God calls me to wait until things are awful before I act. You know, the Good Samaritan helped the man who was dying on the side of the road. He needed to act there. 
But you know, a good person could have also traveled with him the whole way so he never would have been attacked in the first place. Someone on their deathbed or whose life seems to be falling apart needs to hear that there is salvation through Jesus. Absolutely. So does the person whose life seems to be going okay. So be used by God at the next opportunity. Don't wait. Let's finish up. Verse 10. The Spirit of the Lord came on him and he judged Israel. Othiniel went out to battle, and the Lord handed over King Cushom Rith Hatharam of Aram to him, so that Othiniel overpowered him. Then the land had peace for forty years, and Othiniel, son of Kinez, died. We can also reclaim an opportunity. The Spirit of the Lord came on Othiniel, and he judged Israel. Now, and that word in this case, judge is not necessarily delivered, although he did do that. It's, it's usually a word used for governed. He didn't just free them. He actually took that leadership role that maybe he should have had for the last 10, 15, 20 years. How, we don't know how old he was. He governed them. And because the Lord was on him, he was able to go out in the battle and also deliver them. The Lord handed over the king of Aram. He overpowered the king, and in his leadership, the, the land had peace for 40 years. Even though he had missed that opportunity to keep the peace years before, that didn't prevent God from using him later to keep the peace. Here's a history lesson for us. In 1269... Kublai Khan, the leader of the Mongol Empire, he sends a letter to Rome, to the Pope. He said, send me a hundred wise men of the Christian religion. And so I shall be baptized. And, when, and then I shall baptize all my barons and great men. And all their subjects will be baptized. And so there will be more Christians here than in all your parts. See, Kublai Khan was open to studying all kinds of things around the world. And he heard about this religion, Christianity. And so he writes to the Pope and says, send me a hundred wise teachers so we can be Christians. There was way more people in the Mongol Empire. This was the biggest empire in the world. Could you imagine how the history of Asia would have changed if Pope Gregory had sent him a hundred wise Christian teachers? But Pope Gregory X sent two Dominican friars who only got as far as Armenia and they couldn't endure it and so they turned back. And so we missed perhaps the greatest mission, missionary opportunity in the history of the church. That was 1269. The Jesuits would later come to China in 1578. And then Hudson Taylor would travel to China in 1854. 
Pew Research estimates over 67 million Christians in China in 2010. Now, that's less than in the United States, that's less than in Brazil, and that's less than in Mexico. But 67 million Christians in China, that's only 2.1% of the Chinese population. They've got a lot of growth that they can still do. And they are committed to growing despite persecution. How many Christians might be there now if the opportunity had been seized, but at least it was reclaimed. So if I want to be used by God at the next opportunity, like Othaniel, I need to be empowered by God. I should start everything by asking God, what do you want me to do? And please give me the power to do it. Before I do an act of service, before I teach, before I share the gospel, before I parent. God, give me the strength. Ephesians 5, 15 and 17. Paul instructs the Ephesians, Therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. Make the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. The Lord wants us to make the most of our next opportunity. G.K. Chesterton said, The only way of catching a train that I've ever discovered is to miss the train that came before. Sometimes we miss an opportunity, but we catch the next one. So what do we do when we make a mistake? We own it and we learn from it. But then we look for the next opportunity and prepare for the future. So stop worrying about the missed opportunities and start looking for new ones. Let's pray. God, our judge, you call me to stand against ungodliness and to vindicate the weak and fatherless, to do justice to the afflicted and the destitute, to rescue the weak and needy by delivering them out of the hand of the wicked. May I do so in the power of the Most High. Lord, today we have people in our community that are in need, and we have met those needs as we are able. But we pray for your spirit empowerment that we may meet the greatest need of this world that is a need for a Savior, a need for forgiveness a need to be able to stand right before God, to be able to live empowered in this life. Today, this week, we ask for open doors to proclaim the gospel. We pray for your Holy Spirit to go before us in the hearts of people. Not so that we can rule, but so that you can. And we ask this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.